episode number 180 of the Living Deliberately Together podcast. Hi, this is Shira Gura. Welcome to my podcast. If you're new to me, just so that you know who you're listening to, I am a well-being coach and creator of the Unstuck Method and the Clear Way, two groundbreaking self-help tools that promote your emotional health and well-being. I'm the author of the books, Getting Unstuck, Five Simple Steps to Emotional Well-Being, and The Clear Way, Five Simple Steps to Be Mentally Prepared for Anything. Through my coaching, courses, and community, I guide people to get clear on what they want and get unstuck from what's holding them back so that they can go on living more deliberately. Thank you so much for choosing to be with me today, and now for today's episode. Hello, my dear listeners, and thank you so much for joining me today. So last month, I facilitated a Living Deliberately Together challenge inside of my private community on Facebook, and tonight I am inviting those inside of my community to our free monthly gathering. And the focus this month is going to be on the challenge so that the people can share their thoughts and revelations and any learnings they may have had from it. I can't wait to see everyone tonight and then share with them about the next challenge that I'm going to be leading in November, specifically before the winter hits. After this meeting tonight, where I know I'm going to be taking copious notes, I plan to share with you here on the podcast more insights about that challenge, both personally and in general from what I learned from the group. And I really look forward to sharing that with you. If you are not yet part of my community, be sure to sign up for the blueprint, which will invite you directly into that community, and you can find all of that information on the front page of my website. Okay, my friends, so today I'm going to talk to you about optical illusions. Now, you may be thinking, what do optical illusions have to do with living deliberately together? And my answer is almost everything. I was actually teaching my kids about optical illusions the other day, and I turned on my laptop and I sought out popular optical illusions in order to explain to them what they are and, to the best of my ability, explain to them how they work. So let's start out with defining what an optical illusion is, and then later I'll explain how it relates to this work of living deliberately. So an optical illusion is basically when our brain processes a perception of something that in reality doesn't really match the true image. Okay, so it's when our brain processes a perception that in reality doesn't match the true image. And in order to understand this further, we really need to understand what perception is. And if you can believe it or not, when I was in college, I enrolled in a psychology class called Perception 101. Yes, I spent four months studying about and learning about perception. So just knowing that you can spend four months studying perception will help you understand how complicated perception can be. Perception is basically our interpretation of what we take in through our eyes. That's really it. How I took an entire college course on that, I honestly don't know, but, but actually I do. We got a lot into the physiology of the eye and how the eye actually works and the physiology of the brain and the imprint that that perception makes on your brain 
and then what the brain does with that imprint to understand it based on its history and what the brain already knows, and then, of course, how the brain reacts to that process. Like I said, it's really complicated, but the bottom line is perception is really about interpretation. And so optical illusions work because our brain tries to interpret what we see and it tries to make sense of what we see. But the illusion tricks our brains into seeing things what may or may not be real. If you really want to get technical, there are three main classes of optical illusions. Physical, physiological, and cognitive illusions. And within each of those classes are four different kinds. Ambiguities, distortions, paradoxes, and fictions. Like I said, it's complicated, and I have no intent of making this podcast episode any more complicated than it needs to be. The kind of illusion I want to focus on here today, and what I was sharing with my kids, is the cognitive illusion, which seems to arise because of assumptions we have about the world leading to unconscious inferences. So this idea was developed by the 19th century German physicist Hermann Helmholtz. So the ambiguous illusion is a picture or an object that elicits a perceptual switch between alternative interpretations. And I'm sure you've seen an example of this before in books or on the internet. The Rubin vase is one of them. This was developed by Danish psychologist Edgar Rubin. And when you look at that illusion, you either see a white vase or you see two black silhouettes looking at one another face to face. You usually only see one of the two, at least at first, and then maybe you'll spontaneously see the other image, or maybe the person sitting next to you is trying to point out to you why you can't see the other image, right? Has that ever happened to you? Like they're shouting, it's here, can't you see it? Here's the nose, this is the eye. No, no, this is the eye. This is the nose. Why can't you see it? Have you ever had that experience before? Another famous one that you may be familiar with is the my wife, my mother-in-law illusion. This one depicts an old woman looking off to the left and also a young woman facing away looking over her right shoulder. The old woman's nose is the young woman's chin. And again, the thing is, when you first look at that image, you only see one thing. You either see the young woman or you see the old lady. You don't see both at the same time. And it's actually not clear as to how or why your perception changes. If it's due to some post-experiential belief or judgment or other mental process that changes, and even if someone shouts until they're blue in the face trying to show you what they see, it doesn't mean that you're going to be able to see it. You can even believe that the other person can see something, but you still may not be able to see it. It's just how the brain or how our minds work. And here's the thing. The person that you happen to see first in that illusion may be affected by how old you are, according to a study done in the Journal of Scientific Reports. About 400 people were shown this image about the young woman and the old lady. The people were aged 18 to 68, and they were asked to estimate the woman's age. And if you can guess what I'm about to say, the younger participants tended to see the younger woman. 
and the older population tended to see the older woman. And what the researchers discovered was an age bias in our perception. And with cognitive illusions, there can be other biases as well, depending on your culture, how you were raised, your age, like I said, your beliefs, your history, what you've experienced in the world and beyond. It's actually quite fascinating how our brains can have that bias. Now, what does this have to do with living deliberately together? Well, the other night, my family was invited to dinner to another family in our community, and I got stuck a few times, but I nipped my stuck spots in the bud and no one would have known I got stuck, which is great. A few days later, my friend, the host of that evening, she and I were talking about when someone gets coached with getting unstuck, like me, for example. She asked me, if I were to get coached by someone who was trained in my tools, wouldn't I know that they're just walking me through my own tools? And wouldn't I be able to seek through that and just like see it as that? So I don't know if you understand what I mean, but I understood her exactly. And I responded saying that even though I created these tools, the unstuck method and the clear way, I still get stuck. And not only do I still get stuck, I still sometimes need an outside perspective to help me get unstuck. And that's when I turn to people who have been trained in my tools for guidance. Or I journal through my stuck spots, which a lot of the time helps me get unstuck. And then I told her of those three examples of how I got stuck at her house a few nights before and how I got unstuck. And this is what I shared with her. A few minutes after we arrived and we were all sitting outside because that's where we had dinner, my husband called to the host. He said, Yala, which is a slang word in Hebrew meaning like, come on already. So he said, Yala, are you going to start Kiddush? Which is the prayer that we say over the wine before we eat the meal. Okay, so I was like beside myself. I was so stuck. I could not believe the audacity my husband just had in kind of shouting or demanding to the host to like get going with the prayers, right? I just couldn't believe it. But I used the unstuck method and I got myself unstuck. Less than a minute later, when the host didn't start the prayer, my husband said it again. And I got stuck again, and then I got myself unstuck again. Okay, that was stuck spot number one. Stuck spot number two was when after the blessings were said, my husband jumped from his seat. He was the first one to go over to the buffet table, even though there were many kids there. And he started piling up his plate with food, like as if he hasn't eaten in like months. At least that's how I saw it. Again, stuck and then unstuck. Don't forget, I've been doing this stuck-unstuck thing for a long time. I really know how to get myself unstuck if I want to. Stuck spot number three was at the end of the meal when we went inside for dessert and we were sitting in the living room. My husband asked for dental floss because he had food stuck in his teeth apparently. And then when he got the floss, he started flossing his teeth right there in the living room where we were all sitting having dessert. I kid you not. 
Now that one I had a harder time getting unstuck from, I will be honest. I tried and I tried and I couldn't. And finally I said, Boaz, can you just please? And I kind of signaled to him with my hand. He knew exactly to what I was referring to. And he went out of the room to finish flossing his teeth. Now, would you agree with me that I had every right to be stuck on my stuck spots? Could you see what I saw in those moments? Maybe you can. And maybe if you were fighting this case in a court of law, you'd be totally on my side that I was right and my husband was wrong in all three situations. I think I actually would be able to persuade people really, really, really well about my side. But here's the thing. When I told my friend about those three incidents that seemed to have happened one after the other, she had the biggest smile on her face. I couldn't tell if she was laughing at me or mocking me or what, but when I finished speaking, she said, that is so interesting, Shira, your perceptions, because yeah, I have to say, I did notice all three of those things too, but I had a totally different perception for each of them. She went on and said, when your husband nudged my husband to start Kiddush, I thought it was just the way native Israelis act. I didn't take offense to it, especially since my husband tends to talk a lot. And when your husband jumped up to get the food and then he went back for more helpings, I was so happy that he loved my food. And when he flossed his teeth in the living room, she laughed out loud with me on that one, I thought to myself, how cool is it that he feels so comfortable to floss like he's in his own home? I was stunned. Because while I was able to get myself unstuck, what she offered were considerations that I did not take when I was getting myself unstuck. My overriding consideration was consider accepting your husband for who he is and for who he's not, something that I'm still focusing on in my life today. But she took on different considerations because she had different perceptions of the situation. And the reason she had different perceptions is because her mind is different from my mind. Her mind doesn't have the same life experiences as my mind. She doesn't live with my husband. She doesn't know the patterns of behavior and reactions that I've developed over time by being with him for so many years. Her mind is different, and so she completely perceived the situations in different ways. An optical illusion. Same reality two different perceptions. The two different images that you see in an optical illusion like this, they're considered neutral. Either you see an older woman or you see a younger woman, you see a duck or a rabbit, a vase or two faces. It's neutral. Whatever image you see, it doesn't have a charge. But in real life, those images are not neutral, but actually they're charged and then considered either good or bad. And the only reason those images get charged is because of our thinking that we place on top of it. The same three images that I saw as negative, my friend saw as positive. We do this because our brains store rule books of how objects should look or feel or smell or be from past sensory situations. And it's when we are unaware of those rule books that we get stuck in our old patterns and our old ways of thinking, which is what happened to me. 
I was able to get unstuck with the help of my tool, but most people don't have a tool to get unstuck, and so they stay stuck, which of course is unfortunate because in the scheme of things, the reality is there was nothing wrong. And even if the host had agreed with me that my husband was wrong or he was rude or he was embarrassing, the truth of the matter is it was just his behavior and his behavior was neutral, not good, not bad, just was. And it's up to me whether I can accept it or not. If I don't accept it, I suffer emotionally. If I do accept it, I'm free from suffering. It's not always easy, but it's always possible. So my dear friends, I invite you to think of a recent stuck spot that you've experienced and see if you can kind of tweeze out the facts. Not your story or your thinking about the facts, but what were the facts in the story? And see if you can recognize any optical illusions that were subconsciously created in your mind based on your past way of thinking or how you were raised or your language or your culture or whatever may have caused that illusion. And then see if you can see another perspective, another way. You may not like it or agree with it necessarily, but at least see if you can see another way. I gave you an example of an image between me and somebody else, which you can also look for in your life, but you can also look for those images in your own life, the images that your own mind creates about you or about life in general. Take, for example, what a woman your age looks like on average. What does her body look like on average? The image that you have in your mind is probably not the image that I have in my mind. Can you perceive a woman your age looking differently? If you're starting a new business, what image do you have in your mind about how successful you can be? What about offering me an image of what marriage looks like 20, 30, or 40 years into the marriage? What about your ability to change, to become a different person? What do you think about that? Is that possible? What image do you have of the new you? What about others accepting the new changes that you're making in your life? Do you have an image of them accepting you? Do you have an image of them never being able to accept you? All of these things in our minds I call knowledge bias. We only see what we know or what we believe. If we don't already know it from past experience or we don't already believe it, we can't see it. And so the practice is to consider stretching your consideration muscles in your mind and trying to see what other possibilities are out there for that same situation. So I invite you to do that with one stuck spot that you might be experiencing in your life right now. And then I invite you to do this every day for the rest of your life, for your emotional health and well-being, and for the health of your relationships. The more you practice to do this, the less you will suffer in life. And if you don't believe me, try it for yourself and then let me know what you experience. Okay, my dear friends. 
I look forward to sharing with you more about the challenge from this past month in all of the episodes coming up this month. Wishing you a wonderful rest of your week, and as always, I look forward to living deliberately together with you. Thank you for joining me for this episode of the Living Deliberately Together podcast. It is my honor and privilege to be able to show up here each week for you. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to start applying this work to your life, you have to check out the Living Deliberately Blueprint. It's my online self-paced course, which will teach you my tools and everything you need to know about living deliberately and actually manifesting it. Head over to my website now, shiragura.com for more details. I look forward to starting this journey with you.